0: Hello and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of The Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. Hello, friends. Thank you for listening in. Happy summer. All the things, probably wherever you are, it's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. Coast to coast, it feels like. If you're not somewhere that's hot, let us know. But here we are. I'm very excited about today's podcast. It's delicious on so many levels. It starts out with one of my top, top fave drinks. Perfect for summer because it is cool, juicy, light, not too sweet, Um, I've done it on this podcast already. So sorry, not sorry. It's a repeat, but it's worth it. It is an elderflower martini. It's literally as easy as one, two, three to make. Um, one ounce of St. Germain, one ounce of Tito's handmade vodka, one ounce of lemon juice. And if you so desire, you can also put a splash of simple. It's, um, really up to your taste of sweetness, but this one does not have simple. It's just those three ingredients that you put into a cocktail shaker with a bunch of ice and you shake until nice and cold. So probably a minute, maybe 45 seconds. Um, Um, You don't want to water it down too, too much, but it is a gold standard in my book. It's so good. So hopefully you will follow along and make while you listen to my chat with Chelsea Steele, who is a longtime friend from Orlando, has bopped around a couple different places, um, always the creative, always exploring, always trying to find joy and life and love. Aren't we all? so she has landed in los angeles which i am currently in and has been really fun spending some days with her hearing her stories and all the things that she is trying to make happen in life and in the world so great so inspirational so i hope you will enjoy both the drink and the chat cheers So as you may know, or may not know at all, cocktails are kind of my thing. At the end of a long day, or any day really, crafting a drink, whether it's simple or more complex, I really look forward to a delicious cocktail. Plus it makes all conversations better. Tito's Handmade Vodka is always a go-to for me. It's the perfect thing to have on hand to make just about any cocktail. That is what I love about Tito's. It's so versatile. Anything from a Moscow mule to an elderflower martini to a white Russian. Plus, Tito's Handmade Vodka has won a million awards, but for real. It's been distilled six times and won the SF World Spirit Championship. So the next time you are looking for incredibly drinkable cocktail, pick up Tito's handmade vodka. Plus, you should head over to Tito'sVodka.com to read up more about their story and pick up some delightful recipes. Hey Chels. Hey, Tito. Hey. Welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. It's an
1: honor to be here.
0: Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Salute. Cheers. Together. At last. This mm. is delicious. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's one of my Literal all time faves. Mm. It is an elderflower martini, mm. which people give me talk about, about being like calling it mar- martini. A proper martini. It's not, right, it's not purist, it's not whatever. I
1: could care less.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> martini, there's everything martini, espresso martini, blah, blah, blah. So gotta get whatever. What would a purist define a martini
0: as? Usually it's, it's I mean, I guess what your preference is is gin. Mm-hmm. Or vodka and dry vermouth is like a purist, and maybe a twist of lemon. Yes, I get that. Or olives. I always blah, do blah, blah, lemon blah. twist. Right, I always do lemon twist I, because I hate olives.
1: I don't eat olives. I don't know why anyone would ever order a dirty martini. Because,
0: and then the dirty martini also has the olive juice in it, which I'm <sighs> like, I could, I can't, like, I would rather them. have bath water in my. <laughs> G roast. Gross. <laughs> All of it. I don't. Yeah. I. It's never something that's going to be my drink of choice. Well, this has vodka and it's in a coupe. It has Tito's vodka. The easiest drink to make literally as you saw me making it. It's yes. like one ounce vodka. Three ingredients. One ounce uh, so, um, gosh, I almost said sweet vermouth. One ounce St. Germain, yes. elderflower liqueur, and then one ounce of lemon juice. It is literally as easy as one, two, three.
1: It's literally, and then you can drink them. It's dangerous. It tastes a bit like lemonade. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, on but a hot day like the one we are having today, are it is dangerous. In Los Angeles. Yeah. Because I'm in Los Angeles. Have fun. Have fun. How are you enjoying it?
0: Thank you for hosting me. Of course. Happy to.
1: mm <laughs> I this will be gone in ten minutes.
0: <laughs> it will be gone very quickly. to why we don't have just like a bartender on t- on standby shaking just our next keep drink. Keep keep them coming, <laughs> keep them
1: coming. That would make for a very interesting podcast as well. It would be great. You could well hopefully Many. if you get sponsored maybe during the break. Right, we <laughs> can <laughs> just shake up another one. Another
0: one, perfect. Yeah. Um, yes, L.A. has been good. So many good friends, so many good times, so many good eats, mm. really. It's the best food. Last night, man, just mm-hmm. blew blue, my tiny little mind. I am little so Little Dom's.
1: My favorite restaurant. Gosh, squid ink pasta for the win. It is, I've had squid ink pasta once before at Rolf and Daughters in Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. And it was delicious. And... I honestly can't even remember what it tastes like after eating at Little Dom's. Fair enough. It That pasta blows every other meal I've ever had out of out the water. Out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: perfect. We have been lucky enough many times, several times, not many times, over <laughs> the years of Dinner Party Project that a couple of chefs have made squid ink pasta mm-hmm. and served it at dinner. Amazing. And it's like, what a hit. What a delicious, fun meal to have. Yeah. Like black pasta. Slash the taste of it is incredible. It's and gorgeous. Amazing. I digress. Okay. So cocktails. Anyway, this one is winner. Mm. Um, I would love to know about your cocktail preferences. If you have like a go-to drink or a treat that a you kind, love
1: at kind. the end of a day. Yes. I will tell you of all the questions I knew you'd be asking. This is the one I was dreading the most. Good. Let's get out of the way. Because I love cocktails. It's- and Ooh, doesn't? I don't know that I have a favorite. Uh-huh. It is like the days of the week undies you wore as a kid. Okay, I feel like depending on the day of the week, I've got a different cocktail that I enjoy. My most go-to is usually a margarita. Mm. Old faithful. Mm-hmm. I know how I'm mm-hmm. going to feel. I know what it's going to taste like. The one I make at the end of the long day is um, I do two ounces of mezcal. Ooh, Yum. Oof. And then I do one ounce of Contro and one ounce of lime juice. Shake. Yeah. Also awesome salt easy. on the rim. Delish. Great. That's my yeah, easy old breezy. faithful. I also love a dark and stormy. Same. <laughs> I love a dark and stormy. I, I love rum. We're Florida girls.
0: I love rum. Yeah, of course. And we have been here in sunny Los Angeles, but I've heard this summer in Florida it has been constant rain 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 rain. obviously it's hurricane season yes but they're really dark and stormy
1: yeah over there that's i feel like the i that's how i remember florida summers in july it rains every day right (laughs) i think it's from what i've heard
0: more than the normal yeah because it yeah rains every day in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and like 20 30 minutes later you're like okay back to normal yes but it's been like dark and stormy I hope
1: everyone's treating themselves so
0: accordingly in <laughs> cheers to everyone in Florida. We love you. Love you. Stay dry. Stay dry. Ooh. Mm. Here in lost the city of lost angels. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One of them.
0: <laughs> Here you are what would be, like, two or three places that you'd go to grab a cocktail in this city of many cocktail
1: options? What a question. Yeah. Um, A place I don't get to go to as often as I would like just because it's not close to me is a place in the Arts District called In Sheep's Clothing. Okay. And... Sounds dangerous. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know what the metaphor is there. I don't know. deceiver? Yeah. In sheep's clothing. Or or perhaps, yeah. Remember Little Red Riding Hood? Yes, but it's deception always bad. Like something can be deceptively good. Uh, You're like, this doesn't look good. And then you're like delighted by something. Like New York City street pizza. Delicious. Amazing. But like, it doesn't look like much. You know? But
0: you know what it's gonna be. So you do it anyway. I guess. Clearly. Okay. In Chief's Clothing. (laughs) In Chief's Clothing. Have deceptively great cocktails.
1: Yes. And a deceptively great atmosphere because they, it's not a bar where they just let anyone in. They cap it once it's full because they play vinyl only and the room was built with certain materials, wood and whatnot, that would make for perfect acoustics and then Mm -hmm. the seating arrangements are also set up so that everyone is hearing the music equally. They ask everyone to talk. Like kindly and not loud. Like it's not a loud bar, Whoa. so it's a very enjoyable atmosphere to be in, and we the drinks are have delicious. Time to go there. We should. It's oh so gosh. it's so delightful. It's not like a bar, right? Because some even my favorite bars, uh, my first and foremost being Attaboy in New York and Nashville. <clears throat> um, they cap when they're full, but it can get loud still. Yes, and so it's nice to be sipping on a swanky cocktail hearing vinyl crackle in the background mm-hmm. and enjoy hearing who you're talking to. I love hearing who I'm talking to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It helps. It, yes.
1: <laughs> you don't have to shout in a bar.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to have a delicious drink. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes i may maybe more in the mood for a party vibe, but then a lot of times it's like, I want to have a like, conversation with somebody, but if I can't even like, you know, like I'm like, Say it again. Hello. It doesn't make any sense to have a conversation. No. When it's, like, so incredibly... It
1: ruins the, like, swanky sex appeal of a cocktail when you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Tell
0: me about your week. Yeah.
1: Oh. And you're just nodding along because you can't hear them. Okay. Any other spots around town? Um, I... Uh- Love they don't really do cocktails, which is controversial on this podcast, but Tilda Wine is a wine bar in Echo Park here that okay. focuses on natural wines. They mm-hmm. also have an emphasis on women winemakers and POC winemakers, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. And they're just really knowledgeable. I love anyone who is really taking ownership of their craft and education in any field. I feel like is the biggest form of ownership. So when you go there, they do a good job of informing you on what you're going to have so you can know the most about your experience. And I will go and get like a chilled Grenache or I love a chilled red. I love a chilled red. Okay. So that's my, yeah. Have you not had? Well, I don't really like a wine. Okay. Okay. Does um, it not make you feel good? It does not taste good to me. Okay, well. Unless
0: it's <laughs> sweet vermouth, which I know is not really a wine. No. Let's get over it everybody. Yeah, so I just don't I ta- I will I will always taste it. If you sure. want me to taste it, I will taste it. I have never said, oh, that's
1: delicious. I would like to drink a whole glass of this. I would. I would. I know everyone says this with things they like because I hate olives and people who love olives are like, just try this kind of olive. And I will. And I'm like, it still tastes like an olive. Right. But I will say that natural wine tastes so much different Mm -hmm. than the wine we've been drinking. Sure, for change my mind. Centuries. Change my mind. Okay, I, would love I mean, to. try. I'm a natural wine evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> you should put that on a business card. Part time natural wine evangelist. evangelist. I would say borderline full time. Okay, you can't really walk away from your calling. It's you know, <laughs>
0: true. glad you have found it. Glad you have really leaned in and the time is now yeah
1: cool okay. so those are my my two spots two spots that i really like little doms which we've also plugged uh, <laughs> it, they have great we cocktails do it enough we can't no they i and they change seasonally so i feel like which is great you just get to always be trying new things yeah it's sad when you find when you like and it disappears but mm-hmm. what can you do what can you do
0: <laughs> yeah yeah Okay, so those are great suggestions for LA Times. Yeah, come on down, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, plenty of people here Mm -hmm. doing a lot of things, a lot of great things. Mm -hmm. Cool, 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 cool. (coughs) <coughs> wow. <laughs> Does that happen often? Pardon me. Um, every t- Once in a while, I feel like I need to clear my throat. Sure. It happens to the best of us yeah. in the most opportune times. Yeah, of course. Yeah,
1: Recording so. a podcast. Here
0: we are. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get through it. It's going to be great. Thrilled. Um, so speaking of people being in a city, trying to do all the things, uh, they bring their stories the city and their life and things Mm -hmm. that they are Mm -hmm. destined to do. Amazing. And I'm always fascinated on how we start our story and how we are placed in the universe and how we just get to figure it out with our family of origin and the dna that we're given Mm. and just life in general and here we are and now we are trying to figure it all out yes aren't we all i hope bumbling
1: stumbling along the way i have always said i am bumbling Bumbling. a little bee looking for my flower to land on
0: (laughs) (laughs) so how did your little bee start like what was your like maybe like 0 to 10 how was that family vibe how was how did you feel um was it safe do you have siblings so much in there. So much to unpack Chelsea in those Steel. years.
1: Here we go. How much um, time do we have? Yeah. Buckle up. This is a three-part series. <laughs> just on zero to ten. An hour and a half each. <laughs> this is the E-True Hollywood story. My therapist
0: notes. We'll start there.
1: <laughs> yeah. She can be our cross-reference. Um, sure. Just for, you know, timeline and factuality. Mm-hmm. Um, I popped on the scene August 25th, 1981. Oh, gosh. So... Little years ago. At Arnold Palmer Hospital yes, in Orlando, Florida, which I love. That's just the most Orlando hospital, Mm. you know, a golfer. Come on. (laughs) I love it so much. People who aren't from there are like, that can't be real. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, no, it's very real. Very
0: real. And it's a very big thing. Yeah. Like they have made a niche for themselves in the delivering of babies. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yes, I was born pre-Winnie, which, for those of you who okay. don't know, is Winnie now Palmer. the the hospital where the babies are born.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, popped out. I have one older sister who is a full sibling. Yeah, and then I have another older sister who is a half sibling. Um, but those are just details. She, none of them, feel closer or further from me because of the parental setup. Okay. So I feel just as close to both of, them, both of them regardless of having different parents. Right. And in fact, my oldest sister's mom has always been a part of my life. So, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Sure. Um yeah, I don't know. I feel like life was equally dandy and destructive. I my parents fought a lot and I they like always threatened getting divorced and then one day they did. <laughs> And I also had, you know, I love both of them. They provided a lot of opportunities for me to, you know, go to the Backstreet Boys concerts and summer camp. And Mm I I live on a lake and have boat days. So I feel like my days are equally, you know, rainy and rainbows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Truly colored by both. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm learning more now in my adulthood how the rainy days affected me. Because uh, I would say for the most part, like, up until a few years ago, I thought everything was just fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, our family's cute little mascot holding everybody together. Um, but, yeah, my parents divorced when I was seven, and it was awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was. It really, yeah. like, truly ruined my life. Um, I don't think any Huge kid. disruption. Yeah, yeah. No matter how much you see two adults fighting. I think as a kid, you know, your parents as your parents and there's like no other way you anticipate the world to ever be. Mm -hmm. And then when your world breaks in half, it's like impossible to navigate your way through the world from that spot. Mm -hmm. It was impossible for me to navigate my way through the world from that spot. Um, And I wasn't close with my sister at the time either. So we, Caitlin, who is my Full when sister, you live with, we'll yes, see. yes. Okay, she yeah. and I share a mom and dad, so we were in the house together when they got divorced. Um, we, she and I, say that we have a four quadrant home because even when our parents were together, we were always all by ourselves. Wow. Yeah, like we don't, we weren't ever really like a family, right? Um, it was very
0: lonely. That's a pr- pretty like interesting dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Maybe not quite as i mean who's to say what normal is but
1: yeah you know like who's to say what normal to, is to, but we certainly right. were not i think that there are families who are more a family <laughs> than we were but we still did all of the things like went on vacations and mm-hmm. we just
0: but you're kind of coexisting yeah on your own planets Ab- absolutely in the same house yes
1: yeah i feel like no one was involved in anyone's world I, like, had no idea what my sister was doing. No one really knew what I was doing. <laughs> I certainly didn't know that my parents, like, what they were up to when they told me they were getting divorced. I was like, oh. Completely blindsided. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, we fumbled our way through those years. Um, My dad dated a bunch. So I got very used to like the women he was dating being in and out of our lives. If they had children, I loved it because I love friends. And so if there was someone my age to like hang out with, I was like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He dated a woman named Molly, who I love, who is now really good friends with my mom. (sighs) What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. She had a son named Tyler and I loved it. Like, he popped on the scene and I was like, great, a built-in friend. Yeah. So, yeah, whoever my dad was with, if they had kids, it was great. I, for whatever reason, did not have the same, like, grace for my mom. And if she ever Mm. dated, I hated it. Oh. I absolutely hated it. Um, I think it's because I was. But your dad dating was, like, fine? I just don't think I cared as much. Again, the built-in friend thing was helpful. Mm -hmm. I had a different relationship with him, too. Like, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so I spent so much of my time as a child with her, of her just, like, playing with me and Mm -hmm. taking me shopping. (laughs) You know, I also didn't – I had great friends in school until middle school, and then I started being bullied, and so she was, like, my best friend in middle school. And so, yeah, it didn't feel like my parent dating. It felt like my friend dating – And also these other, which I know is problematic. (laughs) Um, uh, I also, the dudes she dated weren't like great. So. You had your radar on. I sure did. Absolutely. And she would say that. Absolutely. Like in hindsight, I think she's like, Chelsea always knew. (sighs) Which I did. Right. I had a premonition you could say. Yeah. Yeah. I, it wasn't, it really was not all bad. It was not all good. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was, I've got some, some big T traumas in there, some little T traumas in there. Mm-hmm. Um, no real guidance. And that I think is like, maybe the theme we can take away from all of this is like, I've never so that influenced the rest of everything. I still feel that until way today. <laughs> I'm like, what do I do? Nobody has told me right what to do. My parents never really helped me with homework. I never really did homework. Um, I had a very informative experience when I was in elementary school. My dad was dating that woman, Molly. Mm-hmm. And we used to go to Epcot all the time, every night to watch the fireworks. We would go in the back entrance and walk towards the France part. Yeah. We would get ice cream and we would watch Illuminations, Reflections of Earth, the <laughs> fireworks show. <laughs> And it was great. I loved it. <laughs> uh, truly a childhood to behold. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember coming home from school one day my dad wasn't home yet because he was at work. Um, the Our, I guess, nanny or whoever was looking after us at the time picked us up and she would just watch us make us dinner until my dad got home. And my dad came home early and I was working in my little math workbook and he was like, change your clothes. I was still in my school uniform. He was like, we're going to go to Epcot early. And I was like, Oh, I am way behind on this. Cause I don't do homework and I have to, this is due tomorrow. And he got down on my eye level and he was like, I'm going to be honest with you. Your grades don't matter until you're in high school. Cause that's when colleges start looking at what you're doing. And I, I was like, Oh really? I didn't know how school worked. I'm a kid. Like, being held back is the worst fear I think every kid has because you're gonna lose all your sure. friends and look like a fool yes yeah so I was like skeptical of that and he was like plus I went to a private school he was like, I pay for you to go there they're not gonna you know deny you moving forward and I it it that conversation shifted i don't even know if he remembers it probably not cuz in his mind he was probably just like get out the door we're going right. to go who cares my agenda is going to rule yes. yes he was like you're in the fourth grade who like give up on math for one night like that's probably what he was saying Right. but, but it, what i the heard far-reaching. oh it i began it exploded the structures of my world like i was like school doesn't matter why does school exist Why do we go to college? Like I started having these very uh, cerebral thoughts at like age nine Mm -hmm. about the world and why it works the way it does because of that one comment by my dad. And then again, I don't really have either my mom or him telling me, like guiding me in any kind of way or taking note of my interests and, you know, encouraging me. Yeah. So I... Just kind of felt really aimless. I think how did, they, you, how did you show up in like middle school?
0: High school. Uh, Who was Chelsea?
1: Um middle school, high school. I think in elementary school I was like class clown slash most obedient. Like I was never gonna be class clown at the expense of like disrespecting a teacher. That absolutely changed in middle school. Um, which I think is like after my parents divorce finalized. And after that conversation with my dad, like, I think a lot of things just informed my view on authority. Right. And so I started just not caring. I also had been in the same school since pre-K. So I think I just had like big man on campus syndrome. Um, yeah. In middle school, I started, I cared like the least about my grades. I also felt very ostracized from kids, my age, um, no one's parents were divorced. Mm. I went to a Christian school. Uh, my family was like culturally Christian in that we celebrated Christmas, but we like did not ever attend church beyond like cultural norms. Like mm-hmm. I think I remember my Christmas sister. Easter. Yes, we sure. were for sure priesters. My sister got confirmed to a Methodist church in middle school. And to this day, that's like a mystery to me as to why that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Like we it's didn't, so random. Go there. I know it's, but it was just kind of like cultural, like in the same right. way Catholics get like confirmed who don't really practice. Mm-hmm. I think that was us with like the local Methodist church, okay? Um, but like I didn't really ever hear my parents pray. I remember I said, Oh my god, once, and my dad was like, Don't take the Lord's name in vain, but like I have heard him say, God damn it, like a thousand times. <laughs> So just very, like, very interesting paradigms taking place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I think, I don't know, maybe it was all of that happened in elementary school, really impacting my loneliness Mm -hmm. in middle school. I just began to feel, like, very other from everyone around me. Hmm. Um, And I also was very weird. Like, I was super... I don't think I had, like, come online yet and become aware of, like, how people took me I don't know I guess okay here's a story that will explain what I'm talking about I remember sitting there was one popular table it's middle school the girls are still sitting with girls at lunch the boys are still sitting with boys except for like one group of people who are cool and popular and they are like the co-ed table and okay. they're all sitting together. Middle school. Yes, middle school. Okay. One of the boys asked me to sit with them, and I was freaking out, but obviously played it cool. I was like, "Yeah, sure, for sure." Like, save me a seat. And I remember just being my goofy Chelsea self, probably uh-huh. just quoting Dumb and Dumber or whatever else I saw <laughs> on TV. And I You'd never go wrong quoting Dumb and Dumber. You could never. 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 There's no situation. Well, I remember making some. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> Truly an iconic movie. Um, I, I don't know that I was quoting Dumb and Dumber, but I said something funny. And I remember it, there was like a pause and the girls checked in with the guys. The guys laughed and then the girls laughed. And I remember for whatever reason, I internalized that moment of like, oh, they're experiencing something different than me. Mm -hmm. because I didn't get that social cue of wanting the boys to care if I was like cute or like I was just obnoxious and didn't really care. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I had a lot of experiences like that, that instead of maybe liberating me and being like, I feel like in that situation I could have internalized that and been like, wow, I'm really powerful. Like I, you know, can make all these people laugh Mm -hmm. and thank God I don't have to check in with Whomever for permission. Sure. But instead, I was like, oh, like these girls care a lot about what these boys care about. Like, why don't I? And then, you know, Halloween rolls around and everyone's super slutty. And I think I was bald Britney Spears, you know, with a full bald cap. I was still trying to like make people laugh. Right. Which is fine. Like, I think that's still a part of who I am, but I definitely did not feel like I was hitting the feminine marks around the women I was surrounded by. So middle school was, I feel like, you know, clunking, bumbling my way through. I did the same thing in high school. Okay. I began getting involved in activism in high school. Um... And I don't really know why. I think it has always been a part of me, like that social justice piece. And then there were all of a sudden all these avenues to be involved with Mm -hmm. restoring justice to various parts of my world. Mm -hmm. And so I started just becoming a little social justice warrior in like my freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, And I would say that informed me the most, like being involved in those spheres, the two main ones were uh, homelessness in Orlando, mm-hmm. and also big issue. A big issue. Yeah, it was. I mean, it the, still is. It's insane. I remember yeah. learning about how it had become illegal to panhandle, mm-hmm. and that to fix that problem or to remedy that problem, they had painted little boxes. That unhoused could st- people could stand yeah. to panhandle. And that happened in like the 80s or 90s. And so by the time I'm learning about this in 2006, so many buildings have been built over those places. Um, that was the first like fact I had learned about homelessness in Orlando. And it just led me down a rabbit hole of discovering how problematic the infrastructure for people who are without a home is. Mm-hmm is. And yeah, I thankfully had friends who were working to try and close that gap. And that just introduced me to more people being involved with more, more things to make the world better. And that really, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I couldn't fix my home life. Like, I don't know why that was so, um, important to me. It just was like I, I wasn't doing it from a selfish place of trying to be perceived as a good person. It genuinely was something that broke my heart and that I wanted to be involved with. Mm-hmm. So, for my 18th birthday, I wanted to sponsor a girl to, in some developing country, to have access to education. And so, my mom did that and provided a means for me to provide a scholarship for a girl in Haiti and my the school I went to ended up taking a trip through the organization that I used to contribute to this girl's education which is so cool so I got to go there and meet her and Mm -hmm. see what a developing nation looks like for the first time I think in my whole life sure and it was crazy Mm -hmm. super eye-opening um, and then as you know, but as your listeners will be surprised to find out, <laughs> um, the earthquake happened while I was there Yeah, and 2011, 2010,
0: 2010, January, okay. 2010, I, w- I went in 2011, a-, a year later. So then, right. Yes. That in my mind, but it's 2010. Yes.
1: Oh <sighs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. That I feel like is... Like in parallel with my parents' divorce shaping me as a person. Mm-hmm. It just. Eye-opening. Yeah. Rocked like, my work. world. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. I remember I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I was like ambiguously talking, praying to God sometimes. And I journaled the night before the trip. I was just feeling stagnant. I didn't have a college plan, obviously, given my parents' uh hands-off approach (laughs) (laughs) to letting me live my life. They would check in like you applying to places. And I'd be like, I guess, yeah, not really. Right. And I think I've always known that I didn't want to go to college. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like, what else do you do now? I know that there's endless options, but at the time, what else do you do? So when the earthquake happens in Haiti, I had so many, um, Aha moments. And one of my first ones was I remember getting this picture in my mind right after the earthquake happened. One of the leaders on our trip was like, grab your bare essentials uh, just in case. And so people are grabbing like food and water, and I grabbed my journal because <laughs> I was like, well, if we're dying, a, a granola bar is not going to help me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: very pragmatic. I would grab food. Yeah. That would be my uh, number one go to. I know that we would dive into the Enneagram later, but I think it is very telling, telling. of my foreness that I grabbed my journal. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Let me make sure I get all my thoughts and emotions out on paper. Yes. I need to be understood.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, where's the food? Girl, Girl. the funniest thing is I, uh, when we were like sitting, we drove to higher ground because we were on at the epicenter of the earthquake, which was the Laogon Plain, which is a peninsula in Haiti. And so we thought after the earthquake, maybe a tsunami would be coming. And we were like, well, if that happens, we're in the worst spot. We are in the dark. We have no idea what's happening if the world knows what has happened. Sure. So I remember us getting to higher elevation and the earthquake was so big that the tremors were as big, if not bigger afterwards. Like the aftershocks were so intense. And I would grab my journal and hold my pen down and just let the earth shake the pen back and forth. <laughs> so I just wanted to like scribe the feeling, <laughs> which again is very telling of my foreness. Yes. Um, but yeah, I got this picture when we were, had decided to go to higher ground of all of the things at the time in my world as an 18 year old that I thought defined a person. And it was like, Movies you watched, um, books you read, podcasts you listened to, articles I wanted to read, like all of these things that I thought made up all of the cool people I aspired to either be or wanted to be friends with. And in this picture, I saw all of these red threads attached to each of those categories and they made the outline of each person, but everyone was like confined by those things. Like they couldn't let go of them they had to be defined mm-hmm. by each of those categories and no one was living freely. And in my life, the the people I looked up to were that way. They were very hyper aware of how they were perceived. And because of that, like what they were interested in and how they conveyed their interest to the world on social media. And now that I'm in a situation where I don't know what the next day is going to look like, or if it's going to happen, I, I, was just like, man, if I get to live beyond this, I do not want that. Hmm. I just want to enjoy life. And I think the things we consume do shape us, but in that order, like we consume them and then we take a different shape. We shouldn't use those things to define our shape. trajectory of who we want to be. Yes. Yes. So I... Yeah, I just quit caring about how I was being perceived, which I think in high school is like the biggest freedom you can ever be given. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in this lifetime is the biggest freedom. Sure. Um, But yeah, so that I mean, and then it's a long again, this would be a three part series if I told the whole story, but we ended up getting rescued and uh, it's a whole ordeal. But once we got back, I knew college was like off the table. Mm hmm. I just didn't want the structures that had been given to us in this lifetime. So I didn't know what I was going to do. I was involved with an organization called Invisible Children at the time mm-hmm. at my high school. Um, and they were hiring In San Diego. In San Diego. And the interns were called roadies. And they went on the road and they played documentaries about the conflict Mm -hmm. in northern Uganda. And they raised money to rebuild schools in war-torn regions. And it really was so, I applied for that. I got the internship. And it was like a perfect transition for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I got there, what was beautiful is that the leadership there really echoed that quote, um, ask not what the world needs, but ask what makes you come alive. What the world needs is people who have come alive. And so that was like a different layer here. I am being this activist and truly asking what the world needs. Mm -hmm. Um, but here they are asking me, who are you and how can you serve the world with who you are? Mm -hmm. Which, and then I didn't know who I was no. <laughs> so or what I liked. Like, oh, here I am. Yeah, so I think that began my journey of what, who am I? What am I interested in? And I had mm-hmm. always done, like, theater and whatnot in school. Mm-hmm. I was a little thespian. Um, so I feel like. Shocker. I know. All everyone right. listening is surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shy. Um, yeah, so I, I. Explored a lot of different things. I honestly feel like I've I've really settled into who I am the last, like, two years of my life. Mm-hmm. So it has taken me that journey since Invisible Children in 2010 until now. To really be comfortable with myself as a creative person. Mm-hmm. And just, like, freely pursue the things I want to do. And I think my revelation in Haiti originally... I thought like I'm just gonna do whatever and I don't care the of the outcome but I think as I've matured I feel differently in that I feel I want to pursue what I love and because I love it I want to see it succeed and be sustainable
0: this episode of cocktails and conversation is brought to you by the dinner party project the dinner party project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table right now we are mostly based in Orlando Florida Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties so if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area, haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co.
1: Yeah, I'm no longer just doing things willy nilly. I feel a lot of like purpose and drive Mm -hmm. in what I'm doing. Which I think brings us up to speed. So (laughs) as we
0: grow into adulthood and we do get to pursue the things that we want to and life comes at us and we don't get to choose, you know, sometimes what life throws at us, but sometimes we choose into like, you know, who we want to become and what we want to do with our lives. Um, Has there been anything in your life that you've looked back on and you've said like, I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of something that I've worked towards or like who I'm shaping myself to be. Mm. Has there ever been a time that you've said like, man, I've done something really awesome that I can take a lot of pride in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way about a couple of things. I think the first, I guess, I mean, I can say that in a lot of, I feel proud in a a lot of different areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I think career wise when I was mm, 24, 25, 24. I made a t shirt as a joke. Mm -hmm. The t shirt said LaCroix over boys. Mm -hmm. I was doing the whole 30. I lived in a house with four other girls and we all drank LaCroix all the time. Um, It was a joke I thought of in my head. I had made a couple of t shirts as a joke just to like wear at parties. Mm -hmm. And when people were like, that's so funny, I was like, yeah, I made it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really will go to great lengths for one laugh. So yeah, I did that and it really true words p- and there were- <laughs> true words. So I yeah, I think I'm really proud of myself for how hard I worked with that because it it happened to coincide with the cultural moment that I have nothing to do with. But I think I I could have just not really leaned into it mm-hmm. and let my one shirt be the one joke and whatever. And instead, I had a moment. So I make the shirt. I I my Instagram at the time was on private because I was a secure person who didn't need validation from the <laughs> likes of strangers. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but when I made my shirt and posted a picture, I took my profile off private and tagged Lacroix and was like, "Hope they see it." And they did. Um. When they did, I was like, that's cool. Like, they liked it. And I I don't know. I don't remember what they commented. But they acknowledged it in some capacity. And I was interning at a co-working space at the time and walked Mm. in one morning. And some member of the co-working space had said to me, congrats on the article. To which I responded, what article? And they were like, girl, you're on the cover of the Bloomberg Business Review. And I was like, (laughs) excuse-moi. So sure enough, I pop on the Slack channel And someone had posted the article, and it was about LaCroix and, like, the rising stocks of LaCroix. And no one could really understand why this beverage from the 80s was having this weird resurgence. Yeah, in the late uh, 2010s. Yeah, the late aughts. (laughs) So... uh, yeah I mean, I didn't either, but I found this out later. Lacroix doesn't have any they don't do any mainstream marketing. They don't have ad space in mm. magazines, billboards or otherwise and therefore they don't have any images available to the public to use in articles like a JPEG or something. okay. so when someone is writing an article, they source from Instagram mm-hmm. and which is easy for people to do because Instagram owns those images. so all they have to do is put the Instagram image instead of the user image or the username, No, you can embed like an, like in the same way you can embed a YouTube video. Mm -hmm. It's literally just like, it's still Instagrams. It's still from the platform of Instagram. Oh, got it. If a website is writing an article, it, they don't have to use like a photo. They don't have to buy a photo from somewhere (laughs) or someone. Um, And they used mine. Mm -hmm. And it was about how like millennials were the reason of this resurgence. And, you know, it wrote about how LaCroix was beating out stocks of Pepsi and Coke and no one really knew. Yeah. Insane. Like these major beverage companies and the picture they used was me and my Lacroix ever shirt. And because it was an Instagram image, when people clicked on the image, it went to my profile. Mm-hmm. And so like 200 strangers are at replying me, like, where do I buy this t-shirt? And, again, I think that was the moment I could have been like, sorry. Right. Just for me. Yes. (laughs) And a part of me did think that because I had made them on a website that was just like you could make a one and done t-shirt. If people wanted to buy it, they could. And you would get like a tiny kickback. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I was like, here, you can click this link on the, like I already designed the t-shirt. So you just have to hit like print design and you can pay for it. And the company will give me like 10%. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. But again, I'm not a business person. No. I'm like, that's fine. Like I But in the moment you had something readily available for people
0: to Yes. Right.
1: Um and I was working three jobs. So I was not looking for like a side hustle. Right. I was at this uh co working space. On Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, on those evenings, I was working at a restaurant called Burger Up. Mm. And then on Mm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I was slinging peaches for the peach truck on the side of the road. (laughs) I remember this time. So I really was not interested in, like, doing something else. Um, And then because I was at the co-working space, there happened to be a guy who was a member there who was a screen printer And he was just keeping up with like the different articles that had used my picture. And he has, I think, like 15 years on me and dropped me some. He was like, this might be unsolicited advice, but you are having a cultural moment and you need to capitalize on it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you can use whoever you want to, but I happen (laughs) to own a screen printing business and he cut me a deal and he was like, just get like 150, 200 shirts, which at the time I was like, two people are going to buy this and I'm going to be stuck with like 199 shirts. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, you know, risk equals reward. Mm-hmm. He also is just very stable and sound. and mm. Yes. Mm. Guidance. <laughs> um so I, and again, because of my jobs, uh, and this discount, I was like, all right, here goes. Like, I'm just going to eat the money. The yeah. yeah. And I got my first, it was just one box of t-shirts, which is literally laughable now because there was a time where there was like eight boxes in my room of t-shirts and tank tops and sweatshirts. Um, yeah, I started at replying people and was like, "I'm selling t-shirts. Like, if you want it, just DM yeah. me." I I did it all via PayPal. I got kicked off Instagram because they thought I was a robot, like spamming people Ooh. many times. And then that was just such a clunky system that I was like, "I'm gonna set up an Etsy account." Uh-huh. And so I did that for a long time. And uh, then I a friend of mine was like, "You should just make a Squarespace." It, it's easier. Easy yeah. People yeah. Well, sponsored by Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I did that when I felt like I was outgrowing Etsy. I made a lot of money. Okay. And I threw a major party <laughs> just to celebrate. Like, literally, there was no reason to have a party. Why other, not? Other than why not? Yes. I love dancing. Always game for a party. Yes. yes. And I, a friend of mine was an events girl. And so I was like, can you help me budget? And then also figure out, like, what we can do within that budget. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked at the co-working space where we could have the party. So there were a couple things that were helpful. Yes, absolutely. Um, And because it was a moment in my little town I was living in at the time, people were so excited to be involved. So I had friends who were bartenders Mm -hmm. who made, like, mocktails for the underage kiddos and LaCroix LaCroix. cocktails. Yes. Yes. LaCroix tails is what we call them. (laughs) But yeah, it was so fun. So I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Um, they're definitely, I think, because of the nature of what LaCroix Overboys was, I did spend most of my free time worrying when it wouldn't be funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I was like, this isn't a forever brand, this is well, not something. Right. You know, it's Paul Frank a moment. had its moment and now no one knows what Paul Frank is. So I know what Lisa Frank is. Thank God. Everyone should know. Yeah. Um, if not, we are praying for you right now. <laughs> um, Yeah. So I think I just did like the most with it that I could. I, at, when it was kind of dwindling down, I was offered a job to work in a magazine And when I was at that magazine, LaCroix reached out to me about buying LaCroix's Over Boys. Mm -hmm. And they called me with their lawyer. They were like, we have our lawyer on the phone. We're interested in buying your assets. I said, let me talk to my lawyer. (laughs) And I hung up the phone and called my mom and said, do you have a lawyer (laughs) that we can use? Slash, where can I find one? Yes. Um, uh, So that was a journey. I ended up hiring a person I knew from Invisible Children who's a lawyer who helped me through that process. So that's something I'm really proud of. And uh, I'm going to say two years ago, I published a children's book, which I only did because of my journey with Lacroix Over Boys. Mm -hmm. It's really just difficult to figure out. um, I mean, anyone who's sold a product, I'm sure, is to figure out, like, how much do I want to buy how much can I buy? How much do I need to sell? Yeah. To earn back, whatever. Operations is a real thing. Ooh. Yeah. So, running but running a business. Yeah, girl. Yeah. That was all the the boys was. Small ones. Anything. Yeah. If anybody has some item on Instagram that they have made, they have had to figure out operations. Yes. So crucial. Oh, so, but because of that experience, when the book came around, it wasn't this daunting. Like, I have friends reach out to me and they're like, how'd you do that? And it's not knowledge I can necessarily convey because it is all just like clunky info I gained along the way from like slowly but quickly mm-hmm. <laughs> selling t-shirts. Mm-hmm. And I really, I mean, I'm, you know, maintain, I made, I really made as many things as I could for little <laughs> <Long-Ride> over <Dumber laughs> boys. So yeah, I published a children's book, which I wish I had because I would read it right now. It's so good. Uh-huh. And it's just kind of my manifesto of how, Everyone doesn't need permission to, like, live their life or be who they are, um, but written in a campy, cute way for children. Mm-hmm. So I'm very proud of that. And yeah. I'm proud of myself for moving out to Los Angeles. Here we are. It's an expensive, hard, yeah, but beautiful city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: has there ever been a time in your life that has been a challenging or like a devastating Mm -hmm. awesome moment we have Mm. highs the reality (laughs) is that we all have no lows yeah and so sharing those stories I think is equally as important to say here's time that life wasn't as peachy or Mm -hmm. something happened or whatever but was there ever time that you felt like I've really gone through it and then like how did you come out the other side
1: I have that. many of those. Yes. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm honestly trying to fish through which ones to share. Sure. Um, uh, I guess the most recent one that has informed me was, so I moved out here in July 2019. And with the dream of selling a movie that I had written. Mm-hmm. And, which I'm still trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> all you listeners. All, on there. all of you producers listening. Right. <laughs> That is a joke. um, Unless it's not, right? (laughs) (laughs) One can only hope. Yeah, someone might stumble into this. Sure, beautiful podcast. Let's hope so. Uh, We pray. Uh, I. It was the first time I had really landed in my own experience, like choosing to move out here. I think prior to that, I had been so codependent and really living in the shadows of my friends who were doing cool things. Mm -hmm. That's why I moved to Nashville. I just was like, there's cool things happening and would, you know, go to the studio with my friends recording music, but like never did anything for myself. Mm -hmm. I went to acting classes and would like champion people who were auditioning, but like never auditioned myself. I feel like I was just everyone's cheerleader, which is still a big part of who I am, but Mm -hmm. I made that one little part. I like inflated it and just stood behind it. And that became all of who I was. Mm -hmm. And so choosing to move out here was, I think choosing to let that part of me remain a part of me Mm -hmm. and let myself be myself Mm -hmm. and acknowledge that I, all of the things, the reason I was so attracted to cheering on my friends is because I was secretly wanting to do all of the things that they were doing. Um, I think I felt really insecure that I moved out here when I was 27. So. (laughs) I roll. I know. My eyes are rolling. My eyes are. Yeah. My eyes are out of my head. They're rolling backwards so much. I, I, but I did, I felt really insecure. Mm -hmm. I had friends who had achieved success because they pursued what they wanted to do from like the jump. Um, And so I, my mentality was like, I just got to hit the ground running. Like, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. I just have to go, go, go. I Mm -hmm. don't have time to hit the brakes. Mm -hmm. No time for rest. No time for anything, but like going and saying yes to LA. Mm -hmm. And I had never lived outside of the Southeast, it's a a different culture. When Mm -hmm. I landed here, I felt euphoric. I I felt like I was walking on a cloud everywhere I went. I loved it. I felt Mm -hmm. insane. Like all of the people who are jaded, who lived here and met me were like, just you wait. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, how could you say that you live in the city of angels? Yeah. (laughs) It, I felt crazy. But I was like, this is the city that informs the rest of the world about mm-hmm. what is happening in culture. It, I just was so excited to be here. Um, and that faded, I want to say, like a month in. Uh, my car got totaled because someone ran into me just being a speedy little L.A. driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working. So much at a retail store as a stylist for men's clothing, which is not my passion, mm-hmm. contrary to popular. Movies. But it was paying the bills. It was. It was. Yeah. Um. And I had a great financial living situation. Right at that time. At that time, uh, yes, it was the room I was living in was nine hundred dollars, and then a friend of mine reached out to me from Nashville who said, "Hey, do you want to split rent when so that I can have a place to stay whenever I'm out there?" And she came out two times, but I was like, "Yeah, girl, <laughs> that's unreal." If you want to do that, I would love to do that. Unreal. And I lived in a great neighborhood that was just walkable, which mm-hmm. is also nice in this city because you drive everywhere. Hmm. Um. Or you sit in traffic everywhere. You sit everywhere. You sit everywhere. Yes. Yes. Um. But I, yeah, I mean, I went. Everywhere I could after work, if there was something I knew about going on, I would go if there was something before work or if I could meet up with a person before work. I just felt like I was running around mm-hmm. and I wasn't happy and I knew I wasn't. It was a a very obvious like I, I just have to do this. I have to meet people. I have to get my movie made. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Like you're tired, but whatever. <sighs> yeah. Um, and I, I think, again, that was all fueled by the insecurity of being old, 27 years old. So I want to say uh, I moved here in July, August, September, October rolls around and I'm like not feeling great. I have struggled with depression my whole life. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a name for it until I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. I went on medication for the first time when I was in high school. Um I got on the right medication this year. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I was not feeling great in October. I think that my depression just doubled down because I was ignoring my body. Hmm. Um, and I just fell into the trap that, you know, everyone falls, not everyone, a lot of people fall into It's like the tale as old as time where people get what they want and then are like, I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. I didn't even get there. I was just like on my way and was like, I am shutting down. I also had not dealt with the trauma of, you know, my family structure breaking apart when I was a kid. I genuinely did not think it affected me at all. I just didn't. I mean, my parents have both been married twice since they both got divorced from each other.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, I, which is also a lot, like I experienced those marriages and those divorces. Um, and then all the relationships in between. And I just didn't think it was just how life was. So it's like, you don't really question how life is when it's normal to you. I didn't question how life mm-hmm. was. Um, and I wasn't a war vet, so I didn't think I had PTSD, um. I, and so here I am with like all of this unknown trauma. And then on top of that, I'm like hustling to make a dream work. And mm-hmm. I felt like my depression came up and was just like, in hindsight, truly such a friend being like, you need to pay attention to your sadness. Yeah. And what you feel. Um, but I didn't. <laughs> I instead called my psychiatrist to see if I could get on different medicine. He was in Nashville at the time. And instead of changing my meds, he was like, I'm actually not licensed in California. I can't prescribe you anything anymore. So I quit cold Ooh, Turkey. Yeah. Yes. Which for those of you listening, not a good idea to do. Like quit your meds? Cold? Yeah. 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 I ran, well, you, I eventually yeah. ran out and then I didn't have a new psychiatrist right. because I was so busy too busy for my health. I didn't find a new one. And I also fell into the trap of like, well, you know what? Maybe I don't need them, Mm -hmm. which I feel like a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people do it when they're feeling good. (laughs) I did it when I was not feeling good. Um, Christmas rolls around. I'm super unhappy, which, you know, the holidays are hard for everyone. Um, But... I feel like it can highlight what you don't have, no matter who you are. Like if you're single, you're like, I don't have a spouse. If you don't have a parent around, it's like, they're not here Mm -hmm. for me. It's bouncing around to everyone's house and just being like, where is home?
0: Where do I belong? Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm like, my sisters have their family. My mom and dad have their new families. And I am just like trying to make it to all of the secret Santas. (laughs) So I'm, but again, I'm not acknowledging that that's a tough reality. I'm just like, this is life. Mm -hmm. So we're denying reality. Um, a friend of mine invites me to go to Italy with her. I fly on New Year's Day to Italy. And Italy's gorgeous. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. I'm miserable. I am miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, when I was there, wasn't doing well, came home. And, I mean, to put a long story short, <laughs> I had I ended up having panic attacks like regularly, mm-hmm. which I think was just the depression coming out sideways. And my therapist suggests that I go to therapy and mm. deep dive mm-hmm. into a treatment center,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to help. And I certainly did not want to ask for the financial help <laughs> to go. Mm. So I spent about two weeks being like, I'm not going to go. And then, uh, I kept calling her every day being like, are you sure this is something I should do? And she called me one day and was like, I can't keep taking these phone calls. You either have to trust me Whoa. as a doctor, as a woman with a PhD sure. and go or not. Like it's up to you. Click. And so I decided there to we go. Are. Yeah. Right. And it was great unpacked all the trauma uh-huh. it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do I'd like tell my family that I wasn't okay uh-huh. after being like the funny you know keep it together girl Price clown yes sure yeah yeah not fun I had to ask my dad for financial help which as an adult is just embarrassing um <sighs> not fun for sure uh yeah so uh, it, yeah it was all the things yeah hi I'm depressed I'm depressed enough to go to treatment mm-hmm. um and also I need you to pay for it <laughs> Yeah, it was awful. I truly hated it. It was like leading up to getting there was miserable. I spent my first week there not thinking I deserved to be there because there were people there with like, you know, addictions and to me, things that were like worthy, treatment worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when I was there it was great. I learned all the things you see on social media about unpacking trauma <laughs> and the body keeping the score. Sure. And I feel like I. Yeah, just now have space for myself in a way I never did mm-hmm. and it's so easy for me to be in LA because I have boundaries with myself now and mm-hmm. I feel like more opportunities are coming my way. It's great. I love it. I feel very at home in myself and I I survived. I, survived. Right. I did not think Versus I would. Versus just
0: right it, this will kill me. Yes. But it did not. It yeah,
1: you're still here. Praise God. Yeah. Truly. Um, But yeah, so that's, I mean, I wouldn't wish that for anyone, but it's also been my biggest, like I feel the most secure and strong in myself and in my life because of going Mm -hmm. through that. So Mm -hmm. grateful. (laughs) I am
0: so sure that that was such a pivotal moment for your life to step into, to say this healing that I've been searching for, or maybe not even knowing that I needed, but ready to get down to business, to be able to look at the painful stuff Mm -hmm. and then to say, there will be beautiful life on the other end of this, but doing the hard
1: work in the moment of
0: addressing it.
1: That's what I didn't realize is like the beautiful stuff I thought happened. If you suppressed the negative things, I didn't realize the beautiful things would happen when you, walk through <laughs> the negative things. Right. Which I had done.
0: <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all the things and for being you and just living life with, I think such joy, which is a great reminder mm. of doing all things with joy. And if it's not serving us, then like, I think our generation or Host from our parents has more opportunity to shape like who we are, what we mm. want to be, the things yeah. that we want to move into. It we don't like have to have one career for 40 years and no. then we what? die. No, or retire, right? And so what a beautiful moment to say we can like we can write a book, we can have a podcast, we can try to write a screenplay. We can do, all, you know, and just like focus our energies in the ways that we are created. And so you're someone that is modeling that. I'm trying. I mean, this is to my
1: that. knowledge, our only trip here <laughs> on earth. <laughs> as far as I know, as far as I know, in this know. one little life. Yes. That I've already in this made. Chelsea steel body. Right. So, yeah, I, I, you know, even the people who did the 40 year job or whatever, like that was their first time too. I think all we can do is like take what we know and apply what we do and don't want to do with our life. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to do what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: what really briefly, what is it that you want to do in L.A.? Mm. What a city to live in.
1: Oof, I really, I mean, in my macro dreams, I would love to be a uh Jill of all trades, like a Donald Glover. Okay. Uh, if I could be so audacious to say that, fair enough. Yeah, but I'm I write music. I put out music, so I would love to be in the world of songship, being a performance artist. But mm-hmm. I did move here to make a movie. Mm-hmm. I want. I have so many more movies in me that I want to write. I really want to make the one that is currently written. I would love to write for TV and film, and I feel like I have the capacity to do all of those things. So I think right now that's what I'm focusing my energy towards. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I could, I'm dabbling with parodies. So maybe I'll, Get hired by someone Clearly. to write <laughs> <rank laughs> funny jokes right. for them. We'll see. Ya. Funny jokes. Funny
0: jokes. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of all the things that have shaped us and the people that we become and our DNA and just who we are in the world, how we show up in the world. There has been a helpful little tool that I have discovered that has been around for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years.
1: (laughs) Hundreds of hundreds.
0: Now it is in popular culture. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, because I think that it's been great for my brain and relationships to know the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. Take a deep dive into that. Um, Would love to know your Enneagram and how you have learned more about yourself through it.
1: My enneagram number is a four wing three, uh-huh. uh, also known as the charmer, the shocker, uh, bohemian. Yep. Um, yeah, truly shocking. <laughs> I uh, I started doing enneagram work in twenty fourteen with a therapist, and we both explored it, and at the time thought that I was a two, mm-hmm. um, which makes a lot of sense to me now, having done more work in therapy because fours go to two in stress. Mm -hmm. And so what I have come to realize now is that I was just in a state of stress, a very unhealthy. I was just codependent. I was not a helper. I was codependent with everyone. Um, the need to be needed. Not even that. I think it was just the need to be, uh, to reflect other people in a way that they would just accept me and acceptance equaled,
0: Uh, belonging Mm.
1: and belonging is the opposite of abandonment. So that's all I wanted. Sure. Um, Yeah. So I thought it was a two for a long time. So the work around the Enneagram was largely unhelpful because it felt very disjointed and disconnected. And Mm -hmm. also I was trying to ground myself to a number that I only rested in when I was in a state of unhealth. So. Mistyped. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Right. Um, Yeah. And I honestly don't know how I arrived at, at discovering I was a four. It was in, I lived in Nashville for five years and then moved home to Orlando for nine months. And when I was there, I had started seeing a different therapist and who didn't know about the Enneagram. And so I brought in the big blue book, the wisdom of the Enneagram. Uh And I was reading her the types And I'm like reading through the four and it, something in me was was, hitting you. Oh my gosh. So many little pings. It's always the stuff that's exposing. Like it was the, you know, shadow parts where I was like, like, this is actually who I am. Um, I don't want to be. Yes. Yes. So, uh. Um, and I didn't even work on it with her just because it wasn't a language she spoke. So I think in my own time, I just started reading more about it. And there, uh, as time went on, there are so many tools and books that have come out that have been helpful. And it's been really helpful for me to navigate relationships, even just friendships, like knowing people and how yeah. to... How did it show up in friendships? It's shown up the most in my friendship with my best friend, Kaylee Rutledge, um, at Kaylee Rutledge Music on Spotify. <laughs> and... She and I are more like sisters than friends. We've both like really parented one another in high school. um We shared a journal in high school that we would write in and then put in the other's locker mm-hmm. um And yeah, I think as disagreements have come up, we've always used like different personality things to identify why it is we see the world so differently. Uh, The first time that happened, we watched a feminist documentary called Misrepresentation that Oprah Winfrey produced and I loved it. I was like, this is phenomenal. I, I just, every, every part about it struck some kind of chord with me and she did not like it because of certain aspects and I was like, well, yeah, chew the meat, and spin out the bones. Like you can sift through. Mm-hmm. Can you separate yourself from the things that you don't like and
0: mm-hmm.
1: the things that do affect you? Like if if they are that amazing, like is it worth focusing on the things you don't like? And that moment, we all, all we knew was Myers-Briggs. And so she was a J, I'm a P, mm-hmm. very big difference. Yes. And in that conversation, I was like, oh, you just see the world differently than me. Like you really do have a more black and white view of how things are. And so you put things in that category and she used the age old analogy of like, if there's poop instead of chocolate chips and brownies, you're not going to cut around it and eat the brownie. You're going to throw away the brownie. And that's just not even an analogy that works for me because it, that it's too black and white. So I've seen the Enneagram be really helpful for us in disagreements because Um, she's an eight, nine. And so, nope, backwards. She's a nine, eight. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I think she has trouble... Speaking up for herself, but she also has the a little bit of a challenger in her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a little bit of a pushback. Um, and someone not speaking up doesn't feel safe for me all the time mm-hmm. because I just want to feel understood. and I think consequently, I really want to understand other people. <laughs> so um, Dana's phone is ringing. that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> just context for all you listeners. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, so when someone isn't telling me how they feel and all I want to do is understand them, it is, it's really hard for me to engage with them. Uh, yeah. So I, I think knowing more about That's helped us. And Mm -hmm. consequently, like, I think she just needs a minute to, like, process her emotions and me diving in and being like, tell me how you feel. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have space for that all the time. Right. Um, And that's fair. You know, that's not like there is no right or wrong way to exist as a person in this world. And so I think for me to demand that of anyone is selfish. Mm -hmm. And knowing that about myself is helpful. Um. Yeah, so I've seen it show up, yeah, the most there. But I think knowing it's also helped been helpful to me in workplace environments and whatnot. Right. Yeah. How do you feel like for yourself that it kind of released you into
0: like the fullness of Chelsea? Mm. Um.
1: Wow. I. Ooh, how has it released me into the fullness? Well, I think given my parental history, not really having any guidance, like it's a super helpful guide hmm. to, you know, I was, because I think I'm an individualist, I was super turned off by something that categorizes people. Mm. Uh, I was like, there's no way that everyone That's, fits into nine. Yeah. Cat- there's billions of people in the world. Right. Like, are you kidding me? Um. I think I also couldn't find along with being in unhealth, also being someone who doesn't want to be pegged down. It's, it was super hard to find my number. Right. Cause so I was like, you don't know me. Uh-huh. I could be a two. I could be a three. I could be a six. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, so I don't know. I think when I surrendered to being a four, Um, again, because of the shadow parts highlighting like some of my unhealth Mm -hmm. that I was desperately wanting to work through because I saw it contributing to my depression and other things that I really wanted to grow out of, Mm -hmm. or at least work with, um, the Enneagram was a really helpful tool to help me work with those parts of myself. Mm. Um, yeah, I think all fours have a bend towards depression, um, or yeah, the feeling of feeling other. Like, the black sheep feeling I had as a kid is, like, very mm. common, universal experience for fours. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I think as much as I fought wanting to be categorized, I, I guess in the way in which it released me was letting me know, like, I am not as uh, other as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. There's a whole world of us out there. <laughs> Especially in this city. <laughs> I want to be different just like everyone else. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's like it's so weird because it's it's ugh. imagine this mind job. You want to feel like you belong and that you are understood. Yeah. But You don't want to feel like anybody else. Like what? That is maddening. Yeah. So I guess knowing that that is like an actual person that's Uh, a type uh is liberating. Yeah. You know. Fair enough. I don't have to. Be at war with those very conflicting parts of myself. Yes. They can kind of just exist at home. Mm -hmm. In me.
0: (laughs) We are all learning and growing. And I found the Enneagram so helpful to have language around growth and around stress. Yes. And so, like, I'm not crazy. Yes. One, this is part of how I'm made. Yes. And that gave me so much freedom and, and released, like... A really, I think, big thing in me. Mm. Um, so, one, it was like identifying, there are other people like me. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, there are other people that are very much not like me. Yes. And so, how... And they're not crazy. They're not crazy. And... We're sometimes missing, like, we are speaking sometimes two different languages. A million percent. So, how can I have grace towards myself and then grace towards other people to yes. say, okay, if I want to understand you, I have to realize you're coming from a very different world, maybe, like, point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can take a little work. Yes. to... Or a lot of work to be able to meet somebody else where they are coming from. Yeah. And, um,. Yeah. It's just helpful to have language.
1: People all we are all anyone is trying to do is get their needs met and every number has a different need.
0: Yes. (laughs) And a different wound origin
1: wounds. Yes. Yes. That we are trying to heal. So I'm like to have that roadmap is really helpful. Sure. I think too, like when I started connecting the dots with the four. As soon as I realized, like, "Oh, my stress number is a two, oh, I maybe this is why I've been resonating with those things and realizing that all of sure. the unhealthy qualities mm-hmm. I was kind of simmering in were very present in my life. It just made so much sense, right. Easy.
0: Easy. Oh, we Easy. we've got it all figured out now, guys. And now Don't. I'm perfect. Now I'm perfect. Now I'm a one. I have crystallized. I have arrived. I'm actually all my numbers yes. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I could chat in all day. It's the best. So good. So good. So good. So we will move into the final, which is my favorite topic of all the topics, which is rest. Mm. And it's something I think we don't do enough. Mm. I don't think we talk about enough. Um, There is such beauty to come out of times that we get to step back from the world in Mm -hmm. really intentional ways to play to discover to physically rest to emotionally mentally rest um it takes work sometimes to be able to get to those places because Mm -hmm. our minds can be going and if we're also working through a lot of things sometimes that is just the four at the forefront of our mind that Mm -hmm. it's not as easy to just turn off Mm. um but as we work towards health overall um it also helps us to be at peace, you know, mm-hmm. in our inner world oh, in yes. those ways. And then with that peace and really tuning into seasons and hours of rest there in we get healing, amen, amen. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, all the things. Mm. Um, and rest can look also vastly different for everyone. Everyone, all yeah. of us. Yeah, I have a girlfriend who is a three, and so she, on her day of rest, would like just love to write a blog post. I could not think of anything I would rather <laughs> less do than maybe manual labor than to write a book. Like that is does not check in not with me. Good but for you. But for her, that is like something that just like mm. is energizing mm-hmm. and fun mm-hmm. and all the things. So we just do these things very differently. We sure do. What are some practices in your life that you have adopted to incorporate rest into your world?
1: I... Uh... Discovered rest at treatment. Yeah. <laughs> where I, you know, didn't, if I wasn't in group therapy or one on one therapy, I was resting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I find rest, um, not in an achievement way, like your three friend, but I, I do like self expression. I feel very, when I feel like I am having a moment to mm-hmm. express myself and understand myself, that it, it gives me so much energy. So Mm -hmm. to write a song, a poem, a journal entry Mm -hmm. where I'm getting a full thought out that really reflects how I'm feeling, that gives me like a big old boost of energy and it's really restful for me. Mm -hmm. And so I need space to do those things. I'm super extroverted. So that's confusing uh, because those things are very internal and introverted. Um, And I need them. Like I absolutely need time and space to do those things, to function as a normal person. Um, and I think that's why during quarantine is when I started writing and recording music. Mm -hmm. And I think I just had more space to do that all the time in the world. So, and I I had just come from treatment too. So I was like, really just being in my body and in my own experience and, you know, learning to have, we also, I couldn't really see anybody. (laughs) So I feel like all of the energy I used to take from people and reflect back was just, taking from myself and reflecting it back at myself. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I would say writing in any capacity is really, really restful for me. I, yeah, I think my, my best ideas come when I'm just like sitting in bed with an idea mm-hmm. on my computer with my journal. And then, you know, I love a, a classic yoga class or uh-huh. flow in my apartment um, or a massage. You know, a message
0: or a or massage. A
1: message. <laughs> Either one worked. Uh, yeah. Yes. Just the common law practices of rest. Right? <laughs> I love those. Yeah. Sure. I used to have a massage membership because Ugh. it just was something I knew I needed. <laughs> Glory. That's like, the, that's like life peaking for mm, me. It was, a yeah. A massage membership. I mean, you, you can get one.
0: Yes, I'm sure I can. <laughs> If you had, if Chelsea had 24 hours, like an ideal perfect day Mm. of just, it could be here, it could be anywhere, money's of no object, it could be by yourself, it could be with people. I mean, you're just, I mean, we're just dreaming here, we're shooting for the stars. What would be 24 hours ideal?
1: Oh, this question is so hard because i find so much joy in creating so i'm like at some point in this ideal day i would want to be like on a movie set mm-hmm. directing something you can do any it's okay supernatural supernatural time yeah. we are defying the odds of life as we know it yes i wake up yeah i in this magical world have a espresso machine in my home okay um i can where i can pull espresso and steam milk and i'm going to make myself a cappuccino Um, and then I am going to probably go and create like some short film or, or maybe a scene for a big film, Mm -hmm. but I have some devoted, concentrated time to creating a story that I really want to bring to life. Um, and that's probably going to take a lot of time. So by the time I'm done with that, it's probably dinner. You know, sure. I mean, those That's things a take a g- lot good of time chunk of the day. I am in the stream world, trying to be realistic. When you, yes,
0: <laughs> but you're you
1: are locked in, yeah. To yes, a project, the creative process, yes, yes. Um And I could sub out the the set day with like a studio day writing a song, but I honestly think movies are more life giving. So that's what I'm going with for now. Sure. We get out. It's dinner time. Okay. I am meeting up with a couple of friends and we are eaten at somewhere on the beach Ugh. at sunset. Yes. The food is incredible. The drinks be are right crispy, now. right? Yes. The sky is glowing. It's an endless summer. Perhaps we go for a night swim or a dip in the ocean. hmm Um, I just, I would prefer the ocean just to hurl my body into the Pacific, um, as you and I did days ago. Yes. Um, and then I would probably end the day either dancing with people I love Mm -hmm. or just with people that I love. We could have like a game night at my house Mm -hmm. or something. I love games and I love friends. So that's probably my ideal day. It sounds very and I dreamy. would go to. I wouldn't be able to go to sleep. I'd be buzzing. <laughs> I would be buzzing. I would be smiling ear to ear into the next day. Yes, yes. Where we repeat. <laughs> <laughs> eat, sleep, repeat. Yes. yes, yes. Yeah, that's my eat, pray, love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that sounds perfect.
0: glorious. Oh,
1: amen. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, we need it. We need to keep these things in mind as like important things, important mm-hmm. days, important, mm-hmm. like setting aside the time and the finances to say these things do matter Yes, and they will reflect and then they will grow in my life. Mm. Right.
1: I think, yeah, money, thinking about money as an investment is important for me because I'm like, okay, well, if I'm investing in my creative things that I like doing, then those returns will hopefully pay off be yeah reflective of what I'm investing in right we hope yes so (laughs) good
0: do you have any um mantras or mo's that you kind of live or words of wisdom that you could share with Mm -hmm. us
1: mantras I usually do like I feel like every few months I'm like kicking around a new mantra Mm -hmm. um I think the one that rings the loudest at the moment for whatever reason is the end of a Mary Oliver poem where she says, tell me what you're going to do with your one wild and precious life. Um, and I, I believe in it's a different poem. She says at the end of my life, I want to be, I want it to be said that I was a bride married to amazement. Those are two things I like always return to. Okay.
0: Yes. Where I'm like,
1: I want to be a bride married to amazement. Mm -hmm. I, Ooh, also, this actually, I think, comes before those two. Maya Angelou said, uh, people will never remember what you said or did, but they will always remember how you made right. them feel. feel. That supersedes everything. Everything. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, they won't. They really won't. Like, There have been some incredible people who have treated people horribly, and that supersedes their canon of work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think those things are leading my, my way right now. And... Yeah, the Mary Oliver one I think just spurs me on, in, in how I go about the world, and so mm-hmm. does the Maya Angelou quote. So, so good. Love them. Love,
0: <laughs> love those ladies. Thank you. Beautiful, wonderful. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. If we were to find you on the interweb, oh yeah, how do we find what you're doing?
1: I am almost exclusively on Instagram. Fair I enough. don't have Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I don't operate on any other social media platform. Sure. Um, or you can listen to my music on Spotify, Chelsea Steel. It's great. You'll see me dressed up as male artists. It is my embodiment of mm-hmm. the male gaze as a woman in this world, which is cool. I think. Yeah. Yeah. What is your Instagram handle? Oh yes, for that people do not familiar it currently. It is Chelsea, which yes. is short for What's Up Chelsea. S U P C H E L S. There we go. Yeah. We got there eventually. Yeah. Yes. I'm long winded and sometimes don't circle back, as everyone who has listened <laughs> can probably already tell. <laughs> Hope you're listening on double speed <laughs> to cut this thing out. Sure.
0: But all of it was worth it. Amen. So worth it. Thank you for doing some day drinking with me. Thank you for and having me. hosting me. me and all the things that you are. Thank you. So good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Until next time. All the things. So good. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, girl. Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversation?